Honey Out of the Rock, Part 3 of 4. The sun may as well be hindered from rising as Christ, the Son of Righteousness. Look not a moment off Christ. Look not upon sin, but look upon Christ first. When you mourn for sin, if you do not see Christ, then away with it. In every duty, look at Christ. Before duty, to pardon. In duty, to assist. After duty, to accept. Without this, it is but carnal, careless duty. Do not legalize the gospel, as if part remained for you to do and suffer, and Christ were but half a mediator, and you must bear part of your own sin and make part satisfaction. Let sin break your heart, but not your hope in the gospel. Look more at justification than sanctification. In the highest commands, consider Christ, not as an exactor to require, but a debtor committed to work according to his promise. If you've looked at work, duties, and qualifications more than at the merits of Christ, it will cost you dear. No wonder you go about complaining. Graces may be evidences. The merits of Christ alone must be the foundation of your hope to stand on. Christ only can be the hope of glory. When we come to God, we must bring nothing but Christ with us. Any ingredients or any previous qualifications of our own will poison and corrupt faith. He that builds upon duties, etc., knows that not the merits of Christ. This makes believing so hard, so far above nature. If you believe, you must every day renounce as dung and dross your privileges, your obedience, your baptism, your sanctification, your duties, your graces, your tears, your meltings, your humblings, and nothing but Christ must be held up. Every day, your workings, your self-sufficiency must be destroyed. You must take all out of God's hand. Christ is the gift of God. Faith is the gift of God. Pardon, a free gift. Oh, how nature storms frets and rages at this that all is of guilt g-i-l-t a golden overlay and it can purchase nothing with its actings and tears and duties that all workings are excluded and of no value in heaven if nature had been left to contrive the way of salvation, it would have rather put it into the hands of saints or angels to sell it than of Christ, who gives it freely, whom therefore it suspects. It would have set up a way to purchase by doing. Therefore, it abominates the merits of Christ as the most destructive thing to it. Nature would do anything to be saved rather than go to Christ or close with Christ. Christ will have nothing the soul would force something of its own upon Christ. Here is that great controversy. Consider, did you ever see the merits of Christ and the infinite satisfaction made by his death? Did you see this when the burden of sin and the wrath of God lay heavy on your conscience? That is grace. The greatness of Christ's merit is not known but to a poor soul in the greatest distress. Slight convictions will have slight low prizings of Christ's blood and merits. Despairing sinner, you look on your right hand and on your left, saying, who will show us any good? You're tumbling over all your duties and professions to patch up a righteousness to save you. Look at Christ now. 
Look at him and be saved, all the ends of the earth. There is none else. He is a savior, and there is none beside him. Look anywhere else, and you are undone. God will look at nothing but Christ, and you must look at nothing else. Christ is lifted up on high and as the brazen serpent in the wilderness, that sinners at the ends of the earth, at the greatest distance, may see him and look towards him. The least sight of him will be saving, the least touch healing to you. And God intends that you should look on him, for he has set him on a high throne of glory, in the open view of all poor sinners who desire him. You have infinite reason to look on him, no reason at all to look away from him, for he's meek and lowly of heart. He will do that himself which he requires of his creature, namely, bear with infirmities, not pleasing himself, not standing upon points of law. He will restore with the spirit of meekness and bear your burdens. He'll forgive, not only till seven times, but seventy times seven. It puts the faith of the apostle to it, to believe this. Because we are reluctant to forgive. We think Christ is reluctant. We see sin great. We think Christ does so and measure infinite love with our own line, infinite merits with our sins, which is the greatest pride and blasphemy. Hear what he says. I have found a ransom. That's Job thirty-three twenty-four. In him I am well pleased. God will have nothing else. Nothing else will do you good or satisfy conscience. But Christ, who satisfied the Father, God does all on account of Christ. You deserve hell, wrath, and rejection. Christ's deservings are life, pardon, and acceptance. He will not only show you the one, but he will give you he will give the other. It is Christ's own glory and happiness to pardon. Consider, whilst Christ was upon the earth, he was more among scribes and Pharisees, his professed adversaries, for they were self-righteous ones. It is not as you imagine that his state in glory makes him neglectful, scornful to poor sinners. No, he has the same heart now in heaven. He is God and changes not. He is the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. He went through all your temptations, dejections, sorrows, desertions, rejections, and has drunk the bitterest of the cup and left the sweet. The condemnation is out. Christ drunk up all the Father's wrath at one draft, and nothing but salvation is left for you. You say you cannot believe, you cannot repent. Fitter for Christ if you have nothing but sin and misery. Go to Christ with all your impenitence and unbelief to get faith and repentance from him. That is glorious. Tell Christ, Lord, I have brought no righteousness, no grace to be accepted in or justified by. I am coming for thine and must have it. We would be bringing to Christ, and that must not be. Not a penny of nature's highest improvements will pass in heaven. Grace will not stand with works. As a terrible point to nature, which cannot think of being stripped of all, not having a rag of duty or righteousness left to look at. Self-righteousness, self-sufficiency are the darlings of nature, which she preserves as her life. That makes Christ seem ugly to nature. Nature cannot desire him. He's just directly opposite to all nature's glorious interests. Let nature but a... Let nature but make a gospel, and it would make it quite contrary to Christ. It would be to the just, the innocent, and the holy. Christ made the gospel for you, that is, for needy sinners, the ungodly, the unrighteous, the accursed. 
Nature cannot endure to think the gospel is only for sinners. It will rather choose to despair than go to Christ upon such terrible terms. When nature is but put to it by guilt or wrath, it will go to its old haunts of self-righteousness and self-goodness. An infinite power must cast down those strongholds. None but the self-justified stands excluded from the gospel. Christ will look at the most abominable sinner before him, because to such a one Christ cannot be made justification. He's no sinner. To say in compliment, I am a sinner, is easy. But to pray with the publican indeed, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, is the hardest prayer in the world. It is easy to say, I believe in Christ, but to see Christ full of grace and truth, of whose fullness you may receive grace for grace, that is faith indeed. It's easy to profess Christ with the mouth, but to confess him with the heart, as Peter, to be the Christ, the son of the living God, the alone mediator that is above flesh and blood. Many call Christ savior, a few know him so. To see grace, grace and salvation in Christ is the greatest sight in the world. None can do that, but at the same time, they shall see that glory and salvation to be theirs. Sights will cause applications. I may be ashamed to think in the midst of so much profession that I have known so little of the blood of Christ, which is the main thing of the gospel. A Christless formal religion will be the blackest sight next to hell that can be. You may have many good things, and yet one thing may be wanting that may make you go away sorrowful from Christ. You've never sold all. You've never parted with all your own righteousness, and so on. You may be high in duty and yet a perfect enemy, an adversary to Christ, in every prayer, in every ordinance. Labor after sanctification to your utmost, but make not a Christ of it to save yourself. If so, it must come down one way or another. Christ's infinite satisfaction, not your just... Christ's infinite satisfaction, not your sanctification, must be your justification before God. When the Lord shall appear terrible out of his holy place, fire shall consume that as hay and stubble. This will be found religion. Only rest all upon the everlasting mountains of God's love and grace in Christ to live continually in the sight of Christ's infinite righteousness and merits. They are sanctifying. Without them the heart is carnal, and in those sights to see the full vileness, yet littleness of sin, and to see all pardoned in those sights to pray here and so forth, seeing your polluted self and all your weak performances accepted continually in those sights to trample upon all your self-glories, righteousness, privileges as abominable, and be found continually in the righteousness of Christ only, rejoicing in the ruins of your own self-righteousness, the spoiling of all your own excellencies, that Christ alone as a mediator may be exalted in his throne." Mourn over all your duties, however glorious, that you have not performed in the sight and sense of Christ's love. Without the blood of Christ on your conscience, all is dead service. That opinion of free will will be easily confuted, as it is by Scripture in the heart, which has had any spiritual dealing with Jesus Christ as to the application of his merits and subjection to his righteousness. Christ is every way too magnificent a person for poor nature to close with or to apprehend. Christ is so infinitely holy, nature never dare look at him. 
so infinitely good, nature can never believe him to be such, when it lies under a full sight of sin. Christ is too high and glorious for nature, so much as to touch. There must be a divine nature first put into the soul to make it lay hold on him. He lies so infinitely beyond the sight or reach of nature. That Christ, which natural free man can comprehend, is but a natural Christ of a man's own making, not the Father's Christ, nor Jesus the Son of the living God, to whom none can come without the Father's drawing. Finally, search the scriptures daily as mines of gold in which the heart of Christ is laid open. Watch against sins to which you are prone. See them in their vileness, and they shall never break out into the act. Keep always a humble, empty, broken frame of heart, sensitive to any spiritual misconduct, observing all inward workings, fit for the highest communications. Keep not guilt in the conscience, but apply the blood of Christ immediately. God charges sin and guilt upon you to make you look to Christ, the brazen serpent. Judge not Christ's love by providences, but by promises. Bless God for shaking off false foundations, for any way whereby he keeps the soul awakened and looking after Christ. Better sickness and temptations than security and superficiality. A slighting spirit will turn into a profane spirit and will sin and pray too. Slightness is the bane of real religion, if it be not rooted out of the heart by constant and serious dealings with and beholdings of Christ in duties, will grow more strong and more deadly by being under church ordinances. Measure not your graces by others' attainments, but by scripture trials. Be serious, exact in duty, having the weight of it upon your heart. But be as much afraid of taking comfort from duties as from sins. Comfort from any hand but Christ is deadly. Be much in prayer, or you will never keep up much communion with God. As you are in private prayer, so you will be in all other ordinances. Reckon not duties by high expressions, but by low frames and the beholdings of Christ. Tremble at duties and gifts. It was the saying of a great saint. He was more afraid of his duties than of his sins. They often made him proud. The other always made him humble. Treasure up manifestations of Christ's love. They make the heart low for Christ, too high for sin. Despise not the lowest, meanest evidence of grace. God may put you to make use of the lowest as you think. Even that you may be worth a thousand worlds. Even that may be worth a thousand worlds to thee. Be true to truth, but not turbulent and scornful. Restore such as are fallen. Help them up again with all the bowels of Christ. Set the broken, disjointed bones with the grace of the gospel. Confident Christian, despise not weak saints. You may come to wish to be in the condition of the most despised of them. Be faithful to others' infirmities, but realizing especially your own. Visit sick beds and deserted souls much. They are excellent scholars in experience. Abide in your calling. Be dutiful to all relations as to the Lord. Be content with little of the world. Little will serve. Think little of the earth, not much, because unworthy of the least. Think much of heaven, not little, because Christ is so rich and free. Think everyone better than yourself, and always carry self-loathing about you, as one fit to be trampled on by all saints. See the vanity of the world and the doom of all earthly things, and love nothing but Christ. Mourn to see so little of Christ in the world, so few wanting him, 
trifles please them better. To a self-secure soul, Christ is but a fable. The scripture is but a story. Mourn to think how many are under baptism and church order, who are not under grace, looking much after duty, obedience, little after Christ, little versed in grace. Prepare for the cross. Welcome it. Bear it triumphantly, like Christ's cross, whether scoffs, mockings, jeers, contempt, imprisonments, and so on. But see it be Christ's cross, not your own. Sin will hinder from glorying in the cross of Christ. Omitting little truths against light may breed hell in the conscience, as well as committing the greatest sins against light. If you have been taken out of the belly of hell into Christ's bosom and made to sit among princes in the household of God, oh, how you should live a pattern of mercy.